Welcome to the First Baptist Church podcast from First Baptist Church in Navasota, Texas. For more information, visit fbcnavasota.org. That is what's so cool about this church is that at any given moment, random happens. And it's and and guys, we're going to be talking this morning again about God's Holy Spirit and His work in your life and mine. And uh, what's really kind of cool about that is at any given moment, God, who is always working around us, at every moment of your life, God is at work around you. Whether you recognize it or not, He is at work. And when we finally find that He is at work doing something in our lives, sometimes it is surprise, and sometimes we sit there in, in amazement and go, I had no idea, God, that you were involved in this. But the really neat part about what God does is in your life and mine, when we have nothing to say, the Holy Spirit does His work. When I have nothing to say, the Holy Spirit does the work. So let me ask you a question. This is... this is. This is participation time. Okay, we've got three images that are going to be shown up on the screen here, all right? I think they are. I hope they are. One of these is going to be up there at any given moment. First one up. See if you recognize this particular person. All right. All right. Do not, what, 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 what? Do not say the name, but if you know who that is, raise your hand. Okay, pretty much everybody. That is Paul Rubens and his character, Pee Wee Herman, okay? So you have passed the 1980s, okay? Those of you that knew that, you knew that that's from the 1980s. Now this next guy, a little bit more difficult. Thomas More, I expect you to know who this person is. All right. Everybody know anybody who knows who this is, raise your hand. Okay, just a few people. This is John David Crow, the first Heisman Trophy winner from Texas A&M. He was a tailback, and he only was able in his senior year to play in seven games because of injury, but he was absolutely so dominant in his career that people would sit back and just in, in amazement Watch him run. Uh, the the year that and, and Thomas help me if I'm if I get this right. That year, A and M won their first eight games, and then they lost their last three because they had heard that their coach Bear Bryant was going to be leaving, and there was a controversy of whether he was going to be there at A and M or he was possibly going to be leaving. And Crow was an exceptional athlete. He went on to do work in the NFL. He ended up going, becoming an athletic director, and he became reconnected with Texas A&M and did wonderful, wonderful things there with their athletic department and with the student body itself. So you all know, who, a few all of you knew who this person was. The last one. Let's show that image. <clears throat> now this is somebody that you ought to know locally. Okay, we've gone the, the international celebrity guy, the sports guy, and then this guy, who now has 37 images on Bing. If you put this guy's name in, 
37 different images will come up of him. Uh, how many of you all know who this is? Raise your hand. <clears throat> this is Shelton Epworth. Shelton was the quarterback at Navasota when they won their last, their last state champion uh, and, and championship. And Shelton is a Christ follower. He also was the guy that not yesterday, but a week ago, quarterbacked the Louisiana team that came and played uh, Texas A&M. And he, he ended up throwing uh, 10 passes, seven of which were completed, did a great job. Shelton is a neat kid, uh, a, a great guy. And he used to be just kind of this little nobody guy until in a practice, one of the coaches tossed him a football. He was playing, he was a lineman and a linebacker. And they tossed him a football, and he rifled the ball back to the coach. And the coach was a good coach, which means you find out the talents of somebody and you let them uh, exploit the talents. And so what he did is he changed from being a lineman linebacker to a quarterback and had great success in doing that. Now, these are people that you can recognize with some degree of, of certainty. But guys, I want to share with you, it's much harder to recognize the Holy Spirit and His work in our lives. And He is most evident in your life and mine when we have absolutely nothing that we can say. He is most evident. And we recognize Him best when we say nothing at all. Guys, I'm going to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. We're going to look at two verses this morning. It precedes the, the verse that most of us would recognize and, and say in Romans 8. I know there's a verse, verse 8, 28, that says all things work for good for those that love the Lord and are called according to His purposes. Well, these are the two that precede that verse. And I'm going to invite you to stand together as we read God's Word. <clears throat> we do this in order to honor God's holy and perfect Word. Read with me. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we should. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And He who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is. Because He intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. When Paul was writing these words to the Roman church, they were located in a hellish society, literally. They were located and likely were involved in, in situations every day where their new faith was called into question. Now guys, listen. Here in Navasota, likely, you're never going to have someone come up to you and threaten your life because you say you have a faith in Jesus Christ. Likely, that will never happen. But that's the very thing that was happening to the Roman, Roman believers. And as God began to speak through the Apostle Paul as he wrote this letter to the Roman church, he began to write to them the things, the things that, that were actually happening to them. One of them being, when something is bothering you so much 
and you don't know how to pray about it. You, you, you're kind of at a loss for words. What happens? If God is listening to our prayers and He wants us to be able to pray, guys, do you believe God wants us to pray about everything? It says that in the Philippian letter. It says pray unceasingly. Don't hesitate to pray about everything. But what happens when your heart is so broken or your emotions are so tied up? And we talked about this last week in, in the time of when someone loses a loved one and they are absolutely stricken and God can use you and me to help them. Guys, when you're that person and you're stricken and you have no words at all and you're feeling a million miles away from God, does God even hear you? Does God even know that you are there and care about what you're going through? And guys, the answer is found in those two verses. The Holy Spirit, one of His jobs is to intercede for us. You all remember what intercession is? <clears throat> you, two, Matt, you two guys, come up here. Come on. Come on up here. Hurry. It's a longer sermon if you don't do this. <clears throat> all right. We are in a battle right here. These two guys are fighting the horde of you, okay? They are up there. They're fighting you. They've got their guns up, okay? Don't go Texas Tech on me. Just do that. All right. Now, as they're doing that, I'm going to... Uh, Roy, I want you to say bang really loud. You die. Fall. That was really pretty good. Intercession, intercession means there's a hole in the line and I step forward and take that person's place. When you can't, you're alive. It's a miracle, all right? Thank you, guys. Intercession means that the Holy Spirit, interceding for you and me, steps in the place where you and I can't talk to God and we don't know what to pray about, He steps in and does that work. Guys, listen. When, when you have nothing to say, that is the place where God will take over. For many new believers that were in the Roman church, they were daily confronted by a culture that strove to destroy anything that was not like its own. The Holy Spirit for those Roman believers and in your life and mine when we are broken to the place where we can't talk, He intercedes, steps in our place when we have been broken and fallen, and He begins to pray to the Father for you and me. Guys, remember, the Holy Spirit's work always means He points everyone to the Father. He doesn't point attention to self. Again, I'll share with you, when you see on television, or if you have ever seen in person, people that will sit there and say, the Holy Spirit gave me this and this and this and this and this to do. And look what I'm going to do. Guys, that's not of God. The Holy Spirit always points people to the Father. Always. Without exception. And what ends up happening is when you and I cannot speak to the Father, He brings us and brings what we cannot groan and say and takes it to the Lord, takes it to the Heavenly Father. The Holy, Spirit's work, the Holy Spirit works best 
when you and me get out of the way. This is at the heart of this teaching, that you, the you that wants to be in charge of your life, that gets nervous when you are not controlling things, that's the part that the Holy Spirit has to defeat in order to rule in your life. And he, he is the one that does the heavy lifting and wants you not to passively sit back, but to actively search with him to find every area that still is a fortress or a stronghold against God. Guys, this would be things like addictions, obsessions, idols. He wants you to participate and when you come in contact with some area of your life that still is outside God's grasp, to be willing to say, God, I can't undo this, I can't overcome this, but I'm going to let you, through the Holy Spirit, begin to help me walk and work through this. Guys, listen to me. This is not something that happens like that. It is something that God begins to work and carve out and begin to take apart, deconstruct in your life so that we become more and more like Christ. <clears throat> he uses you best. He uses you best when you listen and say yes to God's plan. He uses you best when you say yes to God's plan. How many of you all know the verse, Revelation 3.20? Anybody in here know that verse really well? <clears throat> Behold, I stand at the door and... Now the interesting thing about this verse is most people think it is an evangelistic verse. Well, Jesus is... Matter of fact, there's this great picture where Jesus is standing on the outside of the door and he's knocking and there's a little tiny cutaway window on the inside and you can just barely see a human form behind it looking through. And here's Jesus patiently knocking on the door. Did you know that verse has absolutely nothing to do with evangelism? It was written to Christians. It was written to a church in chapter 3 of the book of Revelation. This is written to believers. And what God was saying is, I stand and I wait for you believers, you and me as Christ followers, to say yes to every barrier, every door, and to let Him have a chance to, at deconstructing all of those idols that we have. Guys, do you see this? God wants us to be willing to let the Holy Spirit come in and do work that we cannot explain or we don't even have words to be able to, to vocalize. And as He does that, He begins to work in your life so that we will become people that can be recognized as Christ followers. Same way you can recognize Pee Wee Herman. Same way you can recognize John David Crow, or the same way you can recognize Shelton Epler. God wants you to be recognized as his child. And he works best when we say yes to him. So one of my questions for you this morning <coughs> is this. What does he want you to say yes about today to him? What is it that he wants to have hold of? The choosing, the choosing that God wants us to have is that he uses you best when we say yes to God's plan and it becomes an issue of listening, okay? Great example this morning. 
here's this little guy up here, okay? He's up here, and he is translating for this little girl who has this wonderful, soft little voice. I'm getting to the wonderful age where I cannot hear, okay? I am not doing this because I don't want to hear what my wife says. I'm doing it because I cannot hear. And some of you have noticed this. I will sit there and say, I'm sorry, try again. And, and Willene, the other day, when you were over here and you said something, and I couldn't hear what you said, and I said, I'm sorry, I missed that. And I, I didn't get it the second time. And Dennis Underwood was over there, and he said, she said this. Remember Saturday Night Live? Remember that? The guy, Garrett Morris, standing up there. And for our hearing-impaired people, and the messages. Yeah, that. Guys, let me share with you. Listening is not passive. Listening takes effort. And when you and I choose to listen to God, when His Holy Spirit begins to speak to your heart and mind, it is a choice to listen to God. Because so many times we can go and say, ah, I'm not going to listen to God right now. I'm going to do what I want to do. And guys, that's a win for us because we become God in our own life and we become the Lord of our own life. And we miss everything that God wants to do in our life. Choose to listen. Give God your yes that you will listen to Him. And when His Holy Spirit begins to speak to you, and what He says to you is so great that you have no words to be able to handle this, let the Holy Spirit do what we saw just a minute. Let Him step in when you've fallen over and you have no words. Let Him step in to do the heavy lifting of praying for you. Because that's part of His job. You see, when you have everything to talk about, we, we talked about having nothing to talk about, the Holy Spirit works. God can, can use that. When you have everything to talk about, that's the very time to let God take over. Have you ever opened your mouth and your brains fell out? You ever had that happen? I mean, you open your mouth and before you can think, your mouth goes into gear before your mind has even started the car. And you say something that, that the minute it rolls out of your mouth, you go, uh-oh. You ever had that happen? A lot of liars in this church this morning, all right? Most of us in this room have at one time or another experienced that. Now what... <laughs> Thank you for that, Sam. I got an amen out of Sam, all right? The Bible even talks about this in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. It says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs, that it might benefit those who listen. You see, when you and I have everything that we want to get out and say, our opinions, what we think ought to happen, what we think ought to happen here, 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 that's also the time that God wants to go ahead and say, whoa, 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 let me go ahead and have this. Let me go ahead and have this. 
You see, your job in life is not to fix you. It's not to fix the broken parts of you. God saves you and me by grace. Remember what we define grace as. Remember what grace is? Grace means you get better than you deserve. That's grace. I get better than I deserve. God doesn't want us to try to fix ourselves. He wants us to go in and let His grace do that. He uses the Holy Spirit to do the courtroom conviction of sin. And we are guilty, by the way. And then He begins to change you and me into the person Jesus wants us to be. This doesn't happen, as I said, instantly. It usually takes a lifetime of work for the for the Holy Spirit to do that in your life. He begins to go ahead and reform and conform you. And that's the difference between conform and reform. Okay. Lexi, come here a minute. Hurry, hurry. Here you go. Have you ever played with Play-Doh? Stand up here. All righty. There's you, a blob of Play-Doh. Okay? I want you, while I'm preaching, to make a cat. Okay? Ready? Okay. She has one minute to make a cat. Okay? Worth your timing. One minute. Ready? Set. You're cheating. You're cheating. Go. All right. The difference between conforming and reforming. Reform means to make a change in something to make it better. Reforming means... I look at something that is underperforming and I try to go in and make an adjustment to make it work better. Reforming would be trying to work on a carburetor on a 1971 Volkswagen, okay? And make it work properly. Conforming is something completely different. It means to be similar. It means to to go ahead and make something to become similar in form to a type. There's a big difference between the two. Both of them work to to make something, but they work in different ways. God wants you and me to conform to His image. He says that in Romans 8.29. He says, For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to to be conformed in the image of His Son, so that He would be firstborn among the brethren. Are we done? Time. Stop. Hold your cat up. Good. I'm up here close to it. It looks somewhat like um, maybe a warthog or something like that. I don't know. But you did a great job. I've got something that I hope will help. This thing right here. Go ahead. She's going to try again to make the cat. Reform is what she just did. Changing it around to try to make it appear to be something to look better. Conform is where God takes you and me and He presses us into the already cut out of Jesus, His Son, the only perfect person who has ever drawn breath. Can you see the kitty cat? Conforming into the image of Christ 
means that we end up being pressed into a mold. None of us like to be pressed. We would much rather go ahead and freeform it ourselves. Conforming to the image of Christ, though, is essential for you and me to become what God wants us to become. And it only happens when the Holy Spirit is given the chance to push you and me into the Christ mold. And when He does, listen to me, we look like Him and we're recognized as being like Him. That's important because when we have everything to say and what we want to do, Jesus' job is to let the Master conform us into His image so we're recognized as being His child. Want to be recognized as a believer? Well, the first step is letting the Holy Spirit do the inside work on your life and mine of letting Christ become God over all of you. That part has to happen. That's what it means to be a Christ follower, giving Christ your yes today. The next steps are the ones that become progressively more difficult. It is the idea as, as you are walking that there becomes a grade to the ground. You start going up. Not that you're marching onward to heaven upward, but instead as God begins to go ahead and tear away the parts of you that you have always used to try to get over and get by, God instead says, I'm going to go ahead and make you like me, but I'm going to do it myself and I will require your yes and I will require your participation, but I will not require you to give direction. Most of us in this room love to be in charge of our lives. We love that because, in fact, we want to go ahead and shape the cat in our image of what we think a cat ought to be. God wants to do some, something completely different. Are you recognized this morning as His child? You see, the first thing that it will require is your yes. And I hope and pray that you'll give Him that right now. Let's pray.